Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of Comedy and Tragedy with Jack Healy. Did we get a good-ass game for Thursday night football or what? That ending last night was insane. I was freaking out trying to understand what the hell was happening. I mean, was he offsides? Was he not offsides? How did he miss the first field goal? How did he almost miss the second one? It was absolutely bonkers. I was freaking out on the couch. I'm sure that well, every Giant fan was too. But I'm not going to lie to you. They should have won the game a lot. It shouldn't have came down to that. They should have had that game in their hands. And they didn't. They let Washington take that game from them. And Daniel Jones balled the fuck out. I'm sorry if you don't believe in Daniel Jones, but he was not at all the problem last night he made every throw and every play he needed to that offensive line didn't even look bad last night it held up it held up most plays and he had time to throw and he looked good with that time but the game was lost when the Giants failed to score a touchdown in the fourth quarter despite getting Washington getting in Washington territory three times They got in Washington territory three times inside that 35-yard line, three times, and didn't score a touchdown. Are you kidding? You're not going to score a touchdown the whole fourth quarter and you expect to win the game? It's not a game of field goals. I'm sorry. It's not. We're not in 1955 anymore. I'm sorry. You need to score touchdowns. You need to score touchdowns especially when you get that close, especially when you get an interception inside the 20-yard line. Uh, Washington almost handed you the game. They handed you the game, and you took away 11 seconds. 11 seconds. 11 seconds. Uh, You expected to win the game after chewing 11 seconds off the clock and giving them the ball right back? Uh, I mean... What was going on there? What was going on on that sideline? What was going on on that sideline? What were they thinking? Oh, let's chew zero clock. And then just go for three and we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I I don't don't get it. Let's break down these, these fourth quarter drives. So it starts off pretty good. I mean, you get into the fourth quarter and you're moving the ball. You're moving the ball down the field. Daniel Jones is throwing some dimes. And second down, cross midfield, you're, you're second to five, and you take a sack. You take a big sack. And it's just that was, that was one of the that was one of the turning points of the game. That was one of the Daniel Jones didn't get sacked much. He didn't get sacked much last night. And when you get sacked in the fourth quarter like that. When you're on a big drive, it, it hurts. It hurts, especially when you don't get the third down conversion the next drive and you're fourth and three and you're settling for three. You're settling for a field goal on the first drive of the fourth quarter. You're starting, they started off how they finished that fourth quarter, settling for three. If you're settling for field goals, you're not going to win the game. I'm sorry. You're not. Then, even worse was the second drive because they had every opportunity to score this drive. They started off the drive. With a 
44-yard run from Saquon Barkley. That's how you start off ripping off a 40-yarder, and then the next play, if I'm not mistaken, it was the very next play, they throw the game-winning touchdown pretty much. Not game-winning, but if you go up by 10 with six minutes left, you have the game in your hands. Game-deciding throw on the money. And Darius Slayton drops it. Darius Slayton, I'm, you got to catch that ball. You have to catch that ball. You had a good game. You have to catch that ball. It is in your hands. I don't know why you're not laying out for that. Uh, there's no one near you. You had room to lay out. Like, uh, what was going through your mind, buddy? I'm sorry. You got to make that catch. I got to stop apologizing for these guys because you get paid for this. You get paid to catch the fucking football. Catch the football. That's the biggest moment of your life. Come on, guy. Bad job. And what happens again? They still, they still manage to get a drive. They still manage to get Washington territory. Third and five. You're on the 35. Two false starts. Are you kidding me? Two false starts on the biggest the biggest drive of the game. You're getting two false starts. Oh, it's worse than giving up a sack because you didn't even let you didn't even let anything happen yet. You're killing the play before it even starts. And then you're third and 15. You got nowhere to go. You got nowhere to go. All right. Then we're gonna go. We're gonna go to the next drive when they. Get the ball back after Washington scores. After settling for three again, you get in a like, six-point lead. don't mean anything in the fourth quarter. They don't. You, the, t- the other team goes and scores a touchdown. That six points means nothing. Those two drives you settled for field goals mean nothing. How long were those two drives? Probably 10 minutes combined. No, nah, not 10 minutes, but good eight minutes, like half the quarter. Half the quarter, you just wasted kicking field goals, and they just erased that with a touchdown. And what do you do after that? Three now, you punt it. You don't even get cross midfield. But then, then, when all hope seems lost, Taylor Heineke puts the ball on a platter and Bradbury makes a great play. Bad read, not a great throw. That happens. It happens. You got to be more careful with the ball in, in the fourth quarter on a drive like that. You got to be more careful. And the Giants get bailed out. They get a freebie. What do they do with that freebie? Absolutely nothing. They waste 11 seconds and move three yards. Three yards. I'm pretty sure I could go out there, get the ball, lay out, and I get three yards. You're telling me they couldn't get at least five? They couldn't get at least seven or something? At least get 30 seconds off the clock? At least get under the two-minute warning? They, they couldn't even get under the two-minute warning. It was The time management was atrocious. It really was. And I uh, how are fantasy managers and Giant fans supposed to react 
to how they're using Saquon Barkley. I mean, it seems like he's just not the the key to that. Like he's not the focus of their offense when he has to be. He's the best player on your offense. How is everything not built around him? How is he not getting the ball half the time? He had running lanes last night. They weren't wide open, but they were way he had way wider holes than he had against Denver. He had way more running room, way more, way better running lanes. Still, can't even get 100 yards from scrimmage. I mean, it's 100 yards from scrimmage is pretty, it's, not, it's, it's a fair amount to ask for from Saquon Barkley. I think it's fair now, and he's a great player. He should be doing great things. But when you don't give him the ball as much as he needs it, he's not going to be putting up the production. When you're not throwing him the ball, and he has hands, and he's one of the most dangerous players in space in football. There's gonna be a like, there's gonna be repercussions. You're gonna see the offense not be as electric as it can be. Saquon Barkley is electric. If you don't give him space to run with the ball, you're you're doing everyone an injustice, especially yourself, especially yourself as a play caller. When you're not throwing Saquon Barkley screen passes and swing passes on blitzing downs, when these linebackers are coming after Daniel Jones with free shots, yeah, you got to block Saquon Barkley half the time, even more than half the time. But you give me three or four plays where he looks like he's going to block and then hits a route like Christian McCaffrey does fucking eight times a game. Alvin Kamara does 10 times a game. He's going to get a lot of yards off of those. And it's going to benefit your offense. I don't know what the hell Jason Garrett's doing over there. What plays are you looking at on these third down? Like, yes, Daniel Jones has on a few plays last night on third down. He was able to step back and launch it. He's be able to sling it and find Galladay or Shepard across the middle or on the sidelines. But it's going to help so much more if he has that quick read first. I never saw him look to that quick read first. You have a you have a running back like Saquon Barkley. You should have that quick read first. Most teams have that quick read first. Daniel Jones doesn't even look at it. Doesn't even look at it. I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's Garrett. I don't know if that's the play. That's got to change. It's it has to. JD McKissick looked great last night, and he. Right, that wheel route probably won Washington the game because he was running those quick read routes all game and then eventually said, oh, let me bust it up the seam, make it a wheel route, and go 45 yards and almost end the game. I didn't say Saquon Barkley doing that. He had a great – he did get that great run, and he looked fast and he looked healthy, but he didn't do that nearly enough, and he didn't have nearly enough of an impact. And J.D. McKissick should not be outplaying Saquon Barkley. He shouldn't. Good player, but he's not Saquon Barkley. Getting to J.D. McKissick, though, if he's available in your fantasy leagues, you need to pick him up ASAP before someone else does. Only two running backs had more than 75 catches last year, even more than 70. Alvin Kamara and J.D. McKissick. That shows you what kind of company he's in and what kind of numbers he puts up. That was for all of last year. No one else had more catches other than Alvin Kamara. 
for running back. That's, that's some pretty good numbers right there. Looking over at Taylor Heineke, too. I mean, he looked good. Other than that one missed read, missed throw, he looked really, really good last night because he made up for it right away when he made the clutchest throw of the night. Daniel Jones made some great throws, but he didn't make that throw. He didn't make that throw to Ricky Seals-Jones in the back of the end zone, putting it where nowhere else, no one else but the big tight end can get it. And that catch was sick. That catch was sick. Giants needed that, and they didn't get that. They didn't get that play. They don't, the team that made that play was going to win, and Washington made that play, and look where we are. That offense looked good, though. Gibson didn't have the big game we were all expecting maybe from him from a fantasy standpoint, but he had a good game, solid game, nothing, nothing right home about. He had good scrimmage yards. McKissick had the big game and he looked good on the ground. Those shotgun runs were eviscerating the Giants. They didn't know what to do. And then, of course, he makes his impact through the receiving game. Gets that big re reception that almost sealed the game. And if we're going to have like a moment of learning for, the, for this game from the Giants, it's that if they don't figure something out in the red zone and they don't figure something out with leaving these points on the board, it's going to be a rough season. It really is. I mean – that was one of the best we're going to see this offense look against a defense that good. Washington is one of the best defenses in the league. That D-line is the best D-line in the league. That is the best D-line in the league, and the Giants didn't look bad. Their O-line held up. They held up. Did they get Jan Daniel Jones hit? Yes. But did they give him time? Yeah. And you, we saw it. We saw him slinging the ball all over the field. But if they can't get that time for him when it matters, we're going to see like a four-win team. We're going to see a five-win team. If he can start getting these big moments and they start converting in these big moments, maybe we could see a nine-win team. Maybe we could see a ten. Nah, I don't see. Like, any chance the Giants had of winning the division is going down. Week by week right now. The went to start is not what you wanted to see, but Daniel Jones looking good is, is exactly what you wanted to see. This is his year. This is the year he's got to prove it. This is the year Daniel Jones shows if he's New York's quarterback or not. Last night, it gave me that indication that he might be a good quarterback, but he might not be New York's quarterback. I don't know if New York can get him the talent he needs to be a good quarterback. He needs a good old line and he needs guys that can catch the freaking ball. Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton are good receivers, but you got to make those plays for him. He's he made all the throws he needed to. You got to make those plays for him. I'm going to switch over to the weekend games, make some predictions. Make some start-sit decisions if you needed a little help. I got you because I know there's a lot of people, including myself, that just 
looking at their phones on Friday and Saturday, like, do I got to bench this guy? Do I got to start this guy? What the hell is going on? Got some good weekend games this weekend, too. I mean, everyone's looking forward to Baltimore, Kansas City. I know I am. Lamar versus Patty. I mean, if it's ever been prime time, that's prime time. All right. So, we're getting to my favorite starts. Anyone on this, anyone in this Dallas LA game on either offense, you got to start. I like LA's offense more, though. I like the Chargers offense more because of how bad that Dallas. I mean, they looked, they, they looked decent against the Bucs. They did get some turnovers, but Brady is not going to. He's not going to be happy after those two picks. He's not going to be. He's going to throw like five touchdowns, six touchdowns against the Falcons this week. And yeah, uh, I don't even want to talk about that. We, we're not going to. Uh, let's, let's move on. Let's, let's go back to what I was originally talking about and not start with the real comedy and tragedy that is the Atlanta Falcons. Because, oh, I never even got to talk about it. I don't want to talk about that. What happened in week one? Misery. Misery. <sighs> All right. So if you have Keenan Allen on your team, sit down and enjoy because he's going to have a pretty good game. Trayvon Diggs, he's a good corner, but he's not guarding Keenan Allen. He's, he's not. Keenan Allen's one of the best receivers in the league. He's going to have a field day against that secondary. The best part is, they have other guys on that offense that could catch the ball, whether it's Eckler, whether it's Mike Williams, whether it's Jared Cook. The Cowboys can't guard that. They have no secondary help outside of Diggs, and they're going to get torched up. They are going to get carved up by Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is going to have a field day. Jared Cook could be one of the best pickups in, the, in fantasy football this year. Because tight end is a position you don't have one of the top five, six guys. You're streaming tight ends. And when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who's going to put up big-time numbers, Jared Cook is the perfect tight end to pick up. He's going to put up 10, 12 a week. If he's getting – like, he's going to get the ball five, six times a game, get 50, 60 yards. And if you get that touchdown – you are going to be so happy, so happy that you picked him up and you started him that week. Jared Cook, a name to remember and a name to, if you don't have a tight end, I'd go uh, put that in on the waivers and add because you will be happy. And guys, I would stay away from this week. I don't like Josh Jacobs at all against Pittsburgh. I like Josh Jacobs as a running back, but that Pittsburgh front seven is ferocious. TJ Watts, an absolute menace. You do not want to see that guy coming off the edge because he will put you in the dirt. And Josh Jacobs, unless he busts out a 50, 60-yard run, which is very unlikely. I mean, not very, but it's unlikely. He's not going to have a numbers game. He's not going to put up fantasy points. So, if you're uh, on my league, I put Miles Sanders in and I put Josh Jacobs on the bench because it's in a league with a bunch of randos, but I don't want to see Josh Jacobs scoring two points. I really don't. 
getting to the other running backs I don't like this week. It's mostly running backs because uh, receivers are hard for me to start sit unless you're playing against a secondary you know is going to be really tough because receivers are really game to game. Unless you have a great receiver you know is going to produce week in and week out, it's so hard to predict how good a receiver is going to do. It really is. So we're going to look at the running backs this week. And we touched on the Falcons a little bit before, the misery that is that team. And if you have Mike Davis on your lineup, who's not a bad fantasy option, got some good carries, good, he had some good runs last week. But you should not start him by any means this week. I do not see him having any types of points unless he gets a goal line touchdown. And they didn't even score a touchdown last week. So <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, looking forward to that anytime soon against that tough Buccaneers D-line. That team, the Buccaneers D-line looked so meaty, so goddamn meaty with Vita Vea. Vita Vea and Dom Kinsu are, whew, that's a good night and nightmares for any run game, any run game and any interior pass. And any interior pass O line, you're done. Your O line is done. Whether it's run game, pass game, you're done. You're done with those two. And if you're starting Mike Davis, you're gonna have, you're gonna have a most likely six five points. Like I would not be surprised if he does not put up numbers. And the last guy, this is. I'd say he's my risky pick of the week because he's only played in one game. No one expected him to do anything because no one knows who he is. And this is the biggest game of the week. This is Kansas City, Baltimore. And Tyson Williams is such a mystery. You don't know what this guy's week-to-week production is going to look like. You really don't at all. And Casey is a good, they have a good, really good run defense. They got some good D tackles. They got Frank Clark. They got good DNs. They got good linebackers. You got good guys in that front seven that make plays in the run game. And then you got Honey Badger, field general, the whole defense, making plays in all, in all aspects of the game whether it's the run game, where it's the pass game. And I just don't know how the run game is going to work out for Baltimore. They, they've always had a good run game, but that's not what wins them games against Kansas City. It's not can we control the clock. It's can we keep up with Patty Mahomes. Because Patty Mahomes, no matter what game he's in, is rising to the occasion. And he's the one who sets the tone. Can you keep up with me? Can you score with me? Can you move your offense down the field with me? Can you, are you able to score and put up as much yardage as me? Because I can sling the fucking rock. It's Patty Mahomes. Patty Mahomes is the best quarterback in football right now. I don't know if you've been watching. I don't know where you've been. If you're watching because Aaron Rodgers looked like a homeless man that crawled out of New York City. He looked like one of the dudes I saw laying on the New York City subway. He just 
Obviously, he's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to pick it up. But he is not nearly the Aaron Rodgers we saw last year. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was lack of training camp, lack of caring, lack of giving a goddamn shit. Like, he's he looks checked out. And he'll probably have a good game against the Lions, but you just don't know what to expect from Rodgers. And Tom, I love Tom Brady. Can't count him out, but he is 44 years old, and he's not nearly the athlete that Patty Mahomes is. So I'm taking the overall athleticism, arm, and even like football IQ. Tom Brady has the best football IQ, but Patty Mahomes for being a 25-year-old kid and a quarterback, 25 years old, he's not been in the league that long. Having that IQ and having that pre-snap adjustment, being able to read defenses like he does, it's elite. No, we haven't seen a quarterback become this elite this quickly. I don't think ever. Mm. A Super Bowl. And an MVP. And he's 25. Most quarterbacks can't do that in a career. I'm still waiting for Matt Ryan to win a Super Bowl. I don't even want to get on. I don't even want to talk about that. I don't even know why I said that. Let's not get let's not get a wise ass excited over here and start talking about 23 because then we might have uh some problems. I have some misery. I have some uh Rage. <laughs> but all respect to Tom Brady. He's the fact that he could still be considered a top three, top five quarterback at this age, it's remarkable. Best quarterback ever, one of the best athletes ever. But Patty Mahomes is gonna take control. He's gonna take over, he's gonna take his league over, and he's gonna take control of that game. And if the Ravens can't keep up, we're going to see Patty Mahomes throw six touchdowns and we're going to see the Chiefs score 50 points. Ravens will have 25, but I don't know how, I don't know how much Tyson Williams is going to do. I guess we'll find out. We got some really good games this weekend and I'm excited to watch them. If, if you have a TV and you like anything about football, you have to turn on Ravens, Kansas City. You have to. It's a must-watch game. Patty Mahomes and Lamar Jackson is much-watch football. This has been another really fun time, and I just want to thank you for listening. I really do. If you made it through all of this, this is Comedy and Tragedy with Jack Healy. Stay tuned for more content coming your way.